0: Robbie Williams
1: Rewind. Welcome to Robbie Williams Rewind. We are the champions. I'm Matt.
2: And I'm Lucy.
1: And along with help from special guest fans, we take you on an in-depth rewind through the solo career of multi-award winning singer, songwriter and entertainer, Robert Peter Williams.
2: This week, we'll be looking at all the B-sides that appeared on the singles taken from Life Through a Lens. So this week, we've got my lovely friend, Katie. Hello. Hello.
1: Hi, thanks for joining us, Katie.
2: So we met in 2014 at Swings Both Ways in Belfast, I think, in the queue there. Yeah. And you also met Robbie that day, didn't you?
3: Very briefly,
2: yes. (laughs) So um, what what made you a Robbie fan, Katie? Um, so I was always a fan of Take That.
3: Um, and I guess when they split up, I started following all of them, even Robbie, um, in their kind of solo careers. I spent all my pocket money on all the individual fan clubs, um, which luckily didn't last very long because it cost me too much money. <laughs> um, and then Robbie really was the first one that kind of went out touring kind of post-Take That. Um, and because he'd been in take that, that was it. I needed to go and see him. Um, and my dad kind of brought me my first ticket to see him. Um, and it kind of escalated from there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And have you got a favorite album or song?
3: Uh, Oh God, start with the tough questions. Um, (laughs) I like all the albums for lots of different reasons, um the early ones so life real ends makes me really nostalgic it just really reminds me of kind of that that period because i used to listen to it all the time um favorite song probably come undone um tied with a bit of a random one but sexed up oh i love sex stuff as well yeah yeah that's great I'm song different. love is very cool on that one
2: um yeah but yeah pro- probably come undone i reckon and um have you got any favorite memories or moments that you would like to share
3: oh my goodness
2: so many <laughs> um i mean you've been there
3: you guys have been there for some of them as well uh like yeah. park a couple of years ago
2: yeah that was a that was great
3: awesome gig and again, made me feel quite nostalgic in the facts, kind of the way that it was staged and everything. It reminded me kind of yeah, massively yeah. of the late 90s. Um, I think one of my standouts...
2: was like another Nebworth, really. It was, yeah. yeah.
3: And it was almost like the form that he'd been on in Nebworth as well um, yeah. that I felt like we'd kind of not really seen for quite a long time because it had been much smaller venues um, yeah. in a way. And yeah, there was just, it was just such a great gig. Um, I love that gig so much. Um, yeah. I think one of the standouts was actually one of the, the swing tour, um, and it was that opening night in Belfast. Oh, was
4: amazing, It
3: wasn't. wasn't it? It, it was so good, and it was no one knew what was coming with the show. Um, and Were I just remember, the pit yeah, or the, I was yes, yeah, yeah. The, the the inner circle, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, because I was at the general admission barrier for the first night. I think we were together in the pit in the second night. And I yeah,
3: yeah, that's where <laughs> you, you missed out, Matt. <laughs> um, and do you remember he covered um, Shout? Yeah. Yeah, and I just remember he was singing that and I think he was walking around the walkway at the time and I was there with quite a few of the Irish girls that come up from Dublin who I've known for a really long time and I remember everybody just having the time of their lives and I just really clearly remember thinking this is brilliant this is why I love this this is why I love coming yeah, to these gigs yeah because it was just everybody was just up for a party and it yeah it was just just brilliant just I don't know why and he wasn't even he wasn't even on stage in front of me like I say was around the walkway but I just remember looking around and everybody was just dancing and just
2: having yeah. a great time and I thought yeah this is this is why I do this the atmosphere in those Irish gigs was amazing i think that's why he came out and met people at the back on the saturday the day after the first one because he's so enjoyed the night before
1: yeah yeah completely did he, did he uh he's never released shout has he isn't no wasn't that was just a live track
2: yeah what does robbie mean to you
1: there's another broad question for <laughs> you. <laughs> you don't
2: have to answer <laughs> that <one. laughs>
3: answer that nice. how
1: you will
4: um,
3: i always joke with people i'm I'm always saying that he's like the most loyal man in my life because i've loved him since (laughs) i was about nine years old (laughs) that's true (laughs) Um, i guess so he's always just been a constant really it'd be the same for you i guess lucy as well yeah um it's just someone that's always been kind of part of who you are i guess um and i think now I guess probably from the swing tour, you would have noticed it as well, you know, the kind of with the queuing and all that sort of stuff. That's one that really picked up, I think. Um, but I think you got to know so many people during that tour. I did especially. Who, yeah. And they are people now that are kind of constants in my life, like friends, you know, they're yeah. not just mm-hmm. kind of Robbie friends as we always call each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you guys are like actual friends and, you know, people yeah. that, You meet up with not just for a Robbie gig or seeing a queue, and I think that's probably been the best thing that's come out of it
2: for me, for sure. Yeah, definitely.
1: We were talking about that on the first episode, actually. How is how it's a community? You know, people that just look out for each other, and I think when you when you go through thick and thin, sleeping on the side of the road, queuing for gigs, you know, (laughs) you really (laughs) go through these shared experiences, let alone the actual gig itself.
2: You definitely see people's levels yeah, exactly. as well as their highs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, see all extremes, exactly. don't you? Yeah.
3: And I guess you spend longer in it. Wow, we spend longer in the queue than we do in the actual gig, so. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we do anyway.
1: <laughs> We've learned how to make the best of it.
3: Matt, was Swing
2: your first one, was it? Which one?
1: Did Nebworth we... we went to together. Nebworth together was the first one, yeah.
2: But that wasn't the first time he saw Robbie. He saw Robbie before that, but he can't remember when it was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nedworth was the first time that we properly saw him together. But I have a feeling that I might have gone to a concert in London, maybe. But yeah, but he, it a bit well,
2: I know <laughs> that when I met Matt in 2001, he had already seen Robbie in concert but he can't remember when or where it was.
1: Well, it's possibly the toilet tour, wasn't it? But we
2: worked out it was possibly the toilet tour, yeah. It's just
1: not called the, the toilet, toilet tour. It
0: should hence be known.
2: Yeah.
1: So where was that, in the Docklands? Or...
2: Oh, we think that was Wembley Arena.
1: Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, thank you for asking me that question. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I, I do have a few other stories to share during this podcast of when I did see him in the early days yeah some of which i can remember
2: (laughs) (laughs) so should we go on to looking at some of the songs that we're going to talk about yeah we'll start off with better days because that was a b-side to old before i die his first real single obviously freedom didn't have any b-sides on it it was just remixes and Mm. an interview i think so better days was written by Robbie and Guy, and uh, have found no information out about that song whatsoever. <laughs> when you look it up, you can't find any facts on it at all. So we can just give our thoughts on what we think. I've, of that I've song. got
1: some facts that are not Robbie related.
2: <laughs> okay, go on then. <laughs> well,
1: when you when you research better days, there are many, many, many artists that have called their songs "Better Days," uh, including Bruce Springsteen. He had a song called "Better Days" in 1992. I'm not saying this is why Robbie did it. Uh, and also, um, One Republic released a song called "Better Days" last year in 2020. Oh. Uh, so there you go. That's that's all I've got on it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: F- fun
3: facts with Matt.
1: Detailed research.
2: <laughs> so I like I like I, li- I like the song, but it's not one of my favourites from that era. It's quite cool, sort of Britpop mm. Oasis style I think What do you think Katie?
3: Yeah definitely I was um, Listening back to them earlier and it's definitely Got that Britpop influence But I think a lot have haven't they on that Those b-sides yeah. from yeah. kind of those First singles um, Yeah I've actually Still got the CD, the original CD so I think I've called it Woolworth's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've still got it in a CD rack In the lounge <laughs>
1: It's still there. See, I'm not
2: the only one. <laughs> no, um, but there are some good lines, some good lyrics in that song. Yeah. Would you um, like? Well, my guitar is out of tune. Even that's highly strung. And uh, he did say in an Insta Live last year that he hates that lyric. Someone suggested it as a good lyric when he was asking for good lyrics, and he said, "I hate that one. Ah, oh, that's really crap. I'm like really embarrassed about that line now." <laughs> and he started going on about how much he hated it. <laughs> I think it's quite a good lyric Yeah I wonder if he, if he can remember the song
4: As soon as you say he can remember the song He <laughs>
1: yeah. does need a little bit of help sometimes with the lyrics Yes, true
4: <laughs>
2: Yes <laughs> Have you got any standout lines from that song that you like?
3: Not really, no Like you, it's kind of if it's on, I'll listen, but it's not one of the B-sides that's really up there for me.
2: Yeah, same.
1: I, there's one standout lyric, Gonna Leave the Country. Oh. Had he left the country by that point? No, he?
2: he hadn't, no. Was no. that
1: prophetic, do you think? Yeah, it was. Well, or well, not just prophetic, he just wanted to.
2: <laughs> 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 it, just it, wanted it, out.
1: Just, yeah.
2: But I think <laughs> it's it's basically a song about a relationship breaking down and realising they don't have anything to say to each other anymore. Yeah. Um, There's a few other lines which made me laugh. Maybe I didn't love you. Maybe you loved me less. Would you have preferred it if I had have worn the dress? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Probably one of the first songs that Robbie and Guy wrote, I imagine.
4: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: So, should we move on to the next song? Yes, go for it.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Average B-Side. So this was the B-side to Old Before I Die and it was written by Robbie and Kevin King. The only composition credit that we could find for Kevin is on this one song. And we even reread the interview that Robbie gave to the Face magazine in August 95 and the first in- that was the first interview that he gave after leaving Take That and it does actually mention a friend called Kevin who reminded Robbie of the embarrassing things he'd done the night before whilst drunk probably took a while, <laughs> <laughs> which included calling up Declan Donnelly's girlfriend to tell her the latest episode of her sitcom was crap, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and we wonder if that's the friend that he wrote this with, we wonder, as we can't find any, inf- more, any more information on him. What do you think, Louise?
2: Well, it's possible because it's just some friend called Kevin and this Kevin's yeah. only written one song. Maybe he did write it with him.
1: Do, uh, do you know Kevin, Katie?
2: Not
3: personally, no matt. Um <laughs> I mean maybe maybe you just needed to write that one song and that was it. He was done. Got it out yeah. of his system, Kevin. Yeah. Didn't need
2: to write anymore. <laughs> He's probably some like not even that bloke at all, but you know, it makes a good story. No, it's
1: a it's a theory, isn't it? <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> so what do you think about the song then?
2: Well, this is one of my all time favourite B sides. I love this song. And I don't know why it wasn't included on In and Out of Consciousness. It should have been there, I think. Um what do you think?
1: I really like this song. I don't think it should have been a B side ironically enough, I don't think it should have been a B side. <laughs> um because I really like it. Yeah.
3: Katie? Yeah, this is I'm with you, Lucy, this is one of my favourites as well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I just love the pre-chorus, you know, when he says, um, because she said that you said that I said, she said that I said, the love's dead. I mean, come on, lyric. (laughs) (laughs) Great lyric. And um, also he says, uh, well, I think he's got a great voice, like his uh, vocal sounds really good on the song. And um, in the chorus he says, roller coaster, an emotional ride. And this is where I mention my roller coaster story, because whenever I hear that lyric, the rock and and roller coaster, I think of the uh, rock and roller coaster in Disney World, which Matt forced me to go on and which I came off basically crying because I hated it that much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is a true story. (laughs) Forced is a strong word. I didn't exactly force you into the seat and strap you in there. (laughs) We both got into the ride. And then you did get a Donald Duck afterwards <laughs> <laughs> To try and control the crying But It, now, <laughs> it
2: was because we went on the Tower of Terror straight afterwards And I hated that as well And so those two rides combined Have caused me to never go on a roller coaster again
1: <laughs> So this song brings back <laughs> fond memories of the Rocket <laughs> I, I was about
3: to say yeah. just, When you hear this song Does it remind you of that you know, traumatic time in your life?
2: It does, yeah. Just when I hear those words. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: it's still my favourite
2: song. <laughs> yeah, I still love it. I love the um, the guitars, the drums, the whole sound of the song. Mm. And at the end, how he's kind of doing his own backing vocals over the lyrics.
1: Yeah. What do you like about it, Katie?
3: I think it's a bit like we kind of said on the previous one. It's that kind of whole, you could hear the Britpop pop influence in it and I just I just love the lyrics of this one and like yeah. you guys I don't know why it was never we never heard it more um it kind of got lost in yeah
2: like why I don't think he's ever sung it live has he no I I, I don't think
3: so. um I don't I don't think he did um it yeah like I say it kind of got lost in the in the kind of wilderness I think
1: the lyrics are really clever. I think it's just a really clever song. And I really like the intro as well. There's just that simple guitar strumming at the beginning. And like you said, Lucy, the she said, that you said, that I said. It actually is very high. I mean, we've commented on this before that he's singing it in quite a high sort of range for quite a lot of it as well. I think his voice has changed, does not it, over the years.
2: So basically, we're saying he won't be able to sing it live.
1: Probably d- be difficult to <laughs> sing in the same <laughs> key. Um,
3: That's why we've never heard
1: it Yeah The other thing that I have to mention here is That I'm sure it was When we were doing our research for this We've had to explain to our 13 year old and our 10 year old What a B-side actually is Or was Yeah. Because they kind of don't exist anymore (laughs) Not in the classic sense anyway do they
3: No I guess they're like bonus tracks now I guess On Yeah Albums,
2: maybe? I don't
4: know. Can you
2: still buy CDs? No, you can't. Not CD singles, no.
1: No. So that's Average B-side. Let's move on to Lucy, Making Plans for Nigel.
2: Yeah. So Making Plans for Nigel is, is a cover originally by the band XTC, which is the letters XTC, written by Colin Moulding of the band. Um, and the lyrics were written from the point of view of par- his parents who are certain that, well, par- just parents, who were certain that their son Nigel was happy in his work at British Steel, Yeah, <laughs> which is a bit random. Yep. And it um, marked XTC's commercial breakthrough in 1979. It hit number 17 and was in the top 40 for 11 weeks. So it was probably quite a big song in the 70s. And this was a B-side to Old Before I Die.
1: Yeah, I looked at XTC and I think you've looked at the video as well. And I don't know if you know this, but after the XTC launched this, uh released the song, uh, 100,000 steelworkers went on strike. Really? Yeah.
4: <laughs> Why?
1: Well, because I think it was about people being forced into good jobs that they didn't necessarily want to be in. And, you know, that's a good job. Go and do that. That's my assumption. I don't know. <laughs> Random. <laughs> yeah. And then... Then British Steel, I think they responded with putting four, four British steel workers on television, saying about how great their career was or something. So it was quite a political oh. statement at the time, I think. Okay. But I'm sure, you know, maybe Robbie wasn't really that worried about the steel industry when he covered it.
2: No. <laughs> so I think that he covered it as a dig to Nigel Martin-Smith. Don't you, Katie?
3: Yeah. Yeah, uh, completely. Completely. What? It's the right area. Still still in that little period of, you know, a bit angry. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I
1: think. So he found a song that just fitted the, the dig that was needed.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he used a lot of his music at that time for that sort of
4: thing, didn't he?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Making a statement. And the line, we're
2: yeah. only making plans for Nigel. We only want what's best for him. <laughs> I think that's just a dig at Nigel. It was all about what Nigel wanted when he was in Take That poor Robbie didn't get a say. <laughs> Couldn't have any girlfriends.
1: <laughs> I guess there's some parallels to the yep. original song because the original song is about you go and get a career in a good place. You will be happy, won't you? You know, kind of carry on. It's all okay. Why would you moan? Yeah. So similar, you know?
2: It's true.
1: Did you watch XTC's video?
2: Yeah, it's very strange. Was it set in an asylum? Yeah, it could have been. It was just like lots weird.
1: Of- I don't know that you've seen it, Katie, but there's lots of people walking around in white coats and they put this guy in a corner with electrodes on his head and it's all very strange. It was 1979 after all. Um, Yeah.
2: But Rob Robbie's version is not as weird as the original version. I think his is a bit more Britpop style. Much better, I'd say.
3: I feel like I need to go and listen to the original Mm -hmm. because I don't think I've ever heard it.
2: No, I hadn't before until I was um doing this research and I thought, Oh, have a listen to it and it was very strange.
1: Yeah. It's not all that dissimilar. I think the lyrics are the oh, same. Oh, the same, yeah, but, but it's just
2: the way they sing it and
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to watch it with a video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but you reckon that's definitely about Nigel Martin Smith. That's your theories on that one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And um, he did change one of the lyrics, though. It says he has his future in a fist of steel, but obviously it, the original was he has his future in British steel. But I guess Robbie didn't want to be singing about British steel. Fist of steel. <laughs> but Nigel did have Robbie's future in a fist of steel, didn't he? He did. Yes.
1: Allegedly.
4: <laughs>
1: I'm also the legal, the the legal uh, advisor on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want to get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> is that a song that you play often, Katie? Making plans for Nigel?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I might now listen a bit more with a new twist of British steel industry thoughts
4: yeah.
3: in the
1: back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know the fascinating things you find out on Robbie Williams Rewind podcast. Yeah. This is what it's all about.
2: Well, I mean obviously when the C D came out, oh Before I Die, there was C D one and C D two, and C D one had "Average B side and better days on it, and C D two Mike making plans for Nigel and Kooks. So obviously I listened to Robbie's songs more. Yeah. Than this one with the cover versions. What about you?
3: I have to say I always listen to the B Side more than the main single. Oh
2: right. Do so you always listened to Average yeah. B side more than Oh, before I die.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, and, I love the the like a lot of the B sides that we're talking about today.
2: For yeah. me, were
3: some of were them better than the singles. Um,
2: yeah, mm. they, I don't know,
3: and like I say, a lot of them are. I listened to quite a lot of them when I was travelling and things, and I put all the B sides on as well, just so I make sure I had a had enough to last me. Um, yeah. yeah, and I always found I'd come back, come back to those ones. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's that Britpop era. You know, it was kind of, i just left school and that was the music at the time. And I think he kind of really tapped into that with these B-sides.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, should we move on to Kooks?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Why don't we move on to Kooks, Lucy?
2: (laughs) Which was obviously uh, the other B-sides, Oh, Before I Die, along with Making Plans for Nigel. Um, There's a cover originally performed and written by David Bowie. Um, It appeared on his 1971 album, Hunky Dory. And it was written to his newborn son, Duncan Jones, born the 30th of May, 1971. Um, So, yeah, if you listen to the lyrics, you can really tell that David wrote it to his son. David recorded it for a BBC in concert radio show on the 3rd of June, 1971, before even the studio version had been recorded. Mm -hmm. So that's a little interesting fact there. And uh, apparently it's a pastiche of early 1970s Neil Young because David was listening to him when news reached him of his son's birth. And I found that interesting. It obviously meant he wasn't there at the son's birth. Yeah. (laughs) But then one of my brothers was born in 1971. I don't think my dad was there either. (laughs) (laughs) He was getting drunk and being fired.
4: (laughs) That's true, yeah.
2: Could be a song in that. And there's a, my mum was in the hospital ward waiting to show her, their son off to my dad. He staggered through the hospital ward, drunk, because he'd just been fired. But he didn't tell her for two weeks until she came out of hospital. Ooh. Anyway, that's a different story. Yes. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hadn't really heard Kooks before, like David's version, before Robbie covered it no I hadn't because um, I wasn't really a big David Bowie
1: fan I well I've, I kind of always have been but I don't think it's one of his mainstream songs that reach the greatest hits and yeah. those kind of things so how about you Katie Did you heard that before
3: no I heard, heard Robbie's version before um I listened to the Bowie version um it's There are differences, aren't there? But then the kind of, there are very, some of it's very similar, but I think, um, yeah, David Bowers is definitely more 70s. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: His one's sort of quite kind of mental in a way. Like it's got more instruments in it, all doing different things at different times. Like like you can hear a section of piano, section of strings, section of trumpet, that kind of thing.
3: Almost experimental, wasn't
1: it? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bowie was always very experimental, wasn't he? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the band, The Kooks. You know, the Kooks?
2: Yeah, I can't really remember them.
1: Or, or did. Um, and they were actually named after Bowie's Kooks song as well.
4: Oh, were they? Yeah.
1: Oh. And then I was like, well, what's a kook? Like, you use the word kooky, and I don't know, I do sometimes, but apparently it is a mad or eccentric person. Oh, there you go! Another interesting factoid for you. Okay. <laughs> Do you think I'm right there, Katie? I think. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know the dictionary. I,
3: I'm loving these facts. Um, I feel we're probably all a little bit
2: kooky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eccentric rather than mad. I think is probably yeah. a better way of saying yeah, it. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just I like the simplicity of this track as well. You know, just kind of acoustic and Robbie.
2: Yeah, I um I like the way he sings some of the lyrics. Like, um, I'm not much cop at fighting other people's dads. I like the way he sings that bit. <laughs> David sings it in a funny way, like that as well. But David says punching other people's dads.
1: Oh right.
3: <laughs> this is one another of my favourite b sides. This one. Um, yeah. I just think his lyric is so, and his voice is so good on this one. And yeah. it's one of those tunes that you listen to and you've got to go around your head for the rest of the day.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Have you Have you got anything else to say about Kooks, Katie, before we move on? No,
2: I just think it's lovely. <laughs> okay. <Lovely. laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> he does sing it very beautifully. He
3: does, yes.
2: Yeah. Well done, Robbie.
1: <laughs> so let's move on then to the one and only teenage millionaire. So apparently Rob said in a TV interview that this was his Clash and Sex Pistols song. It was written by Guy Chambers and Robbie, and it was the B-side to Lazy Days. And he actually sung it on his first three tours. What do you think about it then, Katie?
3: I don't mind it. Um, I think they all followed quite a... Sim- Some of them are quite similar, not similar, but they all followed that same kind of Brit pop theme, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I do... You, you did say he did... I do remember that he did sing it on one of the early tours. You got a few more B-sides B on some of the earlier tours.
2: Yeah. But yeah, no, it's not my favourite. Oh, really? Because I absolutely love it. I know you don't, aren't you? You love this one. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, Matt thinks it's a bit too noisy, I think. I, when he, did I say that? I'm sure you said that to me <laughs> at one point.
1: I th- <laughs> No, I think... I think... Lucy's testing my memory now. I think possibly in the early days, I didn't like it so much because it was just a lot of noise. <laughs> but then I think I've sort of it's grown on me a bit. Certainly as we've been listening to it more recently. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? You obviously really like
2: well, it. Well, I just really love it. I just love the scream at the beginning, which yeah. you, you think comes from another.
1: Well, there song. was a bit of a. I, th- I think that kind of comes from metal, doesn't it? That screaming, you know, like Brian Johnson from ACDC and Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osborne used to do a lot of sort of screaming at the beginning or during their songs because he does that. I'm not even going to try and do no, it, that. No, it's impossible. Uh, but <laughs> 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 I can't do it that high. <laughs> but it, it certainly sounds very anarchistic. Yeah. So he definitely got the Sex Pistols Clash feeling. To yeah, me, that's true,
2: yeah. I just think it's really good live. I loved it when he did it on those early tours. The crowd used to go mad. You know, lots of bouncing. Yeah. Um, I just think it's got a really good vibe.
3: I like the lyrics. I think I think the lyrics are clever. It's just, like Matt says, it's quite a heavy one. Um,
2: I like the beginning you're listening to.
1: W-A-N-K. I didn't just say <laughs> W-A-N-K for the fun of it, by the way. Lucy just skipped over the fact that it... Said, you're listening to WANK. <laughs> Just to put that into context.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's exactly the old what he cool, says? bleeding, blimey Mary Poppins, whatever he says. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. So, riding my old faithful, bigger pin up than Betty Grable. Who, Rob or the person he was riding? Who ah. was the biggest pin up? That's what I was trying to work out. Um, and apparently Betty was an American actress with 42 films that grossed more than 100 million and was among the top 10 box office stars for 10 consecutive years, which I didn't know until I looked her name up. That was a
1: long time ago, I'm assuming, was it?
2: Yeah. Um, and this is one of my all time favorite lines. Dinner with Diana. I'm a social Stoke spanner waiting for my knighthood. She can pin it on my manhood.
3: I knew that was going to be your favorite. bit.
2: <laughs> No, I think that's why. <laughs> because
3: of that song, yeah. He's a teenage millionaire.
2: <laughs> I think that's why he's still waiting for his knighthood.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, one does not like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Queen was like, "No, that's just too rude. I'm not letting." So when have the Queen one. listened to that, she yeah. was
1: like, "No, off the list."
2: <laughs> Being stupid makes you lots of money. Yeah, he certainly made a career out of that wouldn't you say is that offensive
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think i think you can be stupid in an entertaining way can't you you know
2: i mean he plays the fool that's why playing the
1: fool yeah there is some there is there is some intelligence in in that
2: and also because everyone at school his teachers told him basically that he was stupid yeah um but clearly he's not He, he has made a lot of money
1: he was a teenage millionaire, as I've got in my notes, with was underlined.
2: And also, did he, is, he actually, so it was Was he a, a teenage well, millionaire? I, uh, well, that's, yeah. In 1993, he would have been 19. Do you think mm-hmm. he was already a millionaire by then? Because Take That only had their first number one in 1993. I couldn't work out whether he would have actually received a million pounds by then, or whether it would have been more like 1994, when he was 20.
1: But when was the song written?
2: This song was written in 1997, <laughs> but he'd lost. He probably lost most of his money then to Nigel Martin Smith in the lawsuit. Well, this,
1: I guess it's possible they were on a million-pound contract.
3: Yeah. No, was that a million each,
2: though? Well, Gary probably made five. And then um, <laughs> another line that made me laugh, bothered Judy Garland when I buggered pa- Barbara Cartland. <laughs> 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 I, I don't even really know what that lyric means. <laughs> But it just makes me smile.
1: <laughs> I think he just thought of Julie Garland <laughs> and then suddenly assumed Barbara Cartland just, just rhymes. So yeah. um that'll sound absurd and obscene. Put it in. <laughs> do you think do you think he's watching a lot of old films when
3: he made that when he wrote this? Yes, There's
4: exactly. a lot of old film
3: stars. It does seem yeah. that way. Yeah.
2: Maybe they all were teenage millionaires as well, possibly. Mm. I Don't know. I don't know enough about them to know.
1: It's a good theory. Judy Garland, I think, probably was, well, she certainly was really successful when she was younger.
2: Uh. Mm. Yeah, it could could be something to do with that.
1: So that line, my cleaner's wearing bondage, (laughs) to rhyme with outrage.
2: (laughs) It's another of his (laughs) classic rhyming lines, Uh, like uh,
1: (laughs) a I just love, (laughs) it's, it's good. (laughs) like it
2: Um, yeah so I really like Teenage Meaning there and I would like him to sing it live again one day but he probably won't because he doesn't like doing those high energy 90s ones it seems anymore like he always says on on Insta Live about Karma Killer people ask him for that all the time and he always says no 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 it's too angry I don't want to do that
4: Mm.
3: (laughs) and some of those we've discussed are too high for him now as well
2: yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah Need a little bit Of reworking He <laughs> yeah. needs to start Remixing his yeah. songs Like Kylie You know Just sort of Getting a bit of a, I guess he does Has done that to a few But Yeah Yeah I think this one I reckon it'll come back At some point Yeah Into the line. He certainly
2: liked it At the time To have played it On tour
1: I think it means Something different now As well doesn't it Like it's, it was a bit Angry at the time But Yeah I think it'll come
0: back <laughs> Hi, I'm Robbie Williams, and you're listening to Robbie Williams' Rewind with the Champions.
2: So, should we move on to Falling in Bed Again?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Yes.
2: <laughs> so, written by Robbie and Matt Hay, who was a past member of Baby Bird, who also worked with Steve Power, the producer of Life Through a Lens. Matt was the assistant recording engineer of the Life Through a Lens album, and his only songwriting credit is on Falling in Bed Again it was a b-side to lazy days
1: baby bird yeah because you're gorgeous yeah Is that, that one, it? Yeah. yes
2: um, yeah i was gonna ask what, what was it he sung that was
1: it yeah yeah <laughs> sure he had more songs than just that one but
2: no he he was he was a oh yeah he was a member of it but i don't know whether he wrote it because oh, he, right. like, he's not given as a songwriting credit but
1: yeah oh i see
2: i don't know what he did in baby bird I probably should have found that out
1: <laughs> i'd love to hear what you two are going to say about falling in bed again because this is a weird song
2: <laughs> katie i'll let you go first uh, i like this one yes <laughs> me and katie have discussed this song several times about oh, how much we love it right. yeah.
1: so i'm really intrigued yeah. right now then why
2: don't you um, like it
1: or are you oh no no I, of- I i, I I just think it, I just think it's a strange, oh, okay. I, I, I don't think I like it or don't like it. It's just kind of it's just a strange song. Um, just <laughs> crazy lyrics. Uh, I guess, you know, I just my note was, well, I guess it's about being a bit shit and having lots of one night stands. <laughs> you know, um, see, I, I
3: love I like the lyrics. I think they're quite clever. Um, and yeah. I think it was kind of typical at that period. I think that's yeah. why I like it so much. Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, It's. um, I mean, it
1: doesn't hold back, does it? I mean.
3: No. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was like it was just Rob, wasn't it, at that time? That was, you know, he was known at that time he was always out partying, you know, and, you know, kind of doing all these crazy things. and Yeah.
2: Still taking lots of drugs and drinking at that time.
3: Yeah, exactly. It was that, and I think almost it's kind of, yeah, that's Rob in that period in this song, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think
2: it's quite clever. I think the
3: lyrics are pretty clever.
2: <laughs> I love the lyrics. It just never fails yeah. to make me smile when I listen to this song. Every time it yeah. comes on, I'm like, oh, nice. Exactly. Yes.
1: Katie, have you got any favourite bits? Because I know Lucy's about to say a few. So, <laughs> any favourite parts of that song?
3: She had a curry stain that was down her cardi, but her teeth were <laughs> clean, so I said smartly. <laughs> I love Brilliant. that line so much. <laughs> i mean we write songs like that
1: these days
4: yeah (laughs) that was one of yours as well yeah that was that
2: is my favorite line from that song oh and also um oh she had a piece of cabbage stuck between her teeth and i said i love that as well (laughs) (laughs) I
3: love the arrangement of it. I love how the song goes. It kind of goes through that bit, and then it kind of go, goes into the chorus. I, I think I, I love that part of it as
1: well. I think it's a great yeah. song. Yeah, the the arrangement. Now you say that I, for me, it's sort of, it's got this strange. Um, I can't even describe it. It's like it's sort of a strange feeling and tone to it. Like you're kind of getting lost in in this tale. You know, it's like. Yeah. Um, I don't know I'm not very musical so I don't know how to describe it but it does it does feel as though you're being drawn into this weird world of the story yeah through the way it's played yeah well then the song's
3: doing what it needs to
2: isn't
1: it yeah yeah it really like you say it really fits
2: yeah I, I mentioned it once in chat um, I can't remember why I just said something about falling in bed again and Robbie's response was well it's better than cheap love song <laughs> That's all That's all I've managed to get out of him on, on that song. It's a very
1: insightful <laughs> comment. I know. I
2: don't yeah. think he thinks much of Cheap Love Song. Um, he probably can't remember that one
4: either.
1: Yeah. And I've got a question for you two to clear up if you know the lyrics. it says something about something she briefs. My briefs, a me, doesn't say immediately. He says a this will probably tell me it does say immediately now.
2: Something about and she goes for my briefs. In imi... me. Oh, I don't know I don't what that in me bit, bit it. is.
1: I think it's supposed to say immediately, but I think there was too many uh
2: Can you remember Katie? Too many so syllables that, immediately. That line here uh,
3: the door's closed and she went for my briefs, is that one? Yeah, yeah. the bit
1: after that.
2: Yeah.
3: See me. See oh, me Oh see
2: me, yeah, that's what it is, yeah. See, him, see
4: me falling in bed again. Yeah, that's falling it. in bed again. Okay,
1: yeah, I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs> Another misheard
0: You'd love lyric. To listen to
1: that. I just thought it was short for immediately. <laughs> now, see, see me. One of the ones I've got here. See me. Thank you, Katie. You've, you've rescued me now. I will now know that for more.
2: What I noticed also when I li- really listened to it is that like the whole way through the song he's falling in love again he keeps saying falling in love and then as soon as he gets her into bed it changes to um, just falling in bed again and he's not in love it's just all about being in bed so it's literally just a song about (laughs) getting someone into bed bed. (laughs) (laughs) yeah see it was that classic Robbie era (laughs) yeah exactly
1: yeah I've always said to Lucy that the last line, I don't, it's always a bit odd. Rome wasn't built in a day, but I said I wasn't on that job.
2: Yeah, that bit always is a bit weird. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it fits
1: with (laughs) the rest of the song, of course.
2: Yeah, I wasn't on that job. Fair enough. (laughs) I kind of, I quite like it. It's like a random comment (laughs) at the end of his song. Yeah, it just, yeah, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of that one. Uh and, yeah, bed brackets again well i'd also just wanted to say i bet that's about a real person educated at rada oh yeah but we'll never know yeah. who it was no and we'll i'd like know. to know whether she really did have a curry stain down her cardie Cardi. and cabbage stuck in down that. her cardigan. yeah yeah,
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> Cardi's yeah. were obviously what? all the rage back then
2: yeah <laughs> i don't remember them being
1: That's a cardigan for international (laughs) listeners. Just to let you know what a card (laughs) is, if you didn't know.
3: (laughs) Must have been winter if she had a cardigan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So shall we move on to She Makes Me High, Lucy?
2: Yeah. So I don't have much information on this one. It's a B-side to Lazy Days, and it was written by Robbie Guy and Gary Nuttall. Mm.
4: Um.
2: Yeah, it's kind of, I think it's about he's worshipping a girl and wonders if she can save him from his demons. Yeah. I'm falling, trying to find my way back. Maybe I'll never know where I've been. I hope she'll meet me in between. So hold my hand through this hurricane and teach me how to smile again. But then it sort of goes on, the song, and then it almost sounds as though he's actually got a girlfriend and that this is someone else that he's in love with. She protects me now and she is good. She sees me like I wish you would. She is honest now. She is true. She's the complete opposite of you. Mm. Have you any Ouch. thoughts, Katie?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think your theory might be right. Definitely. Yeah. I think, again, um, that was him at that time. <laughs> yeah. Won't want to call him a womanizer, but. Um...
2: <laughs> what did he say at the under the radar gig? He said he was a fuckboy of the in The 90s, what would be termed now as a fuck boy, <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah.
3: So, <laughs> you're gonna have to put an expletive warning, yeah. On this we song.
2: are, um, <laughs> yeah. we knew we would have to, we knew this about would be Robbie. an
1: e podcast because there's no way we can go through the whole history without, uh, we would have to miss no, a lot of stories out, <laughs>
3: yeah, basically, <laughs> especially, especially when you get to Rude Box, yeah, you're
2: gonna struggle, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't know why, right? But this um, song I, I, just reminds me of the monkeys. Do you remember the monkeys?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I can see did, what you mean.
1: Did you did you two ever watch the monkeys show? Yeah, you know, where these just like spontaneously no. burst into song. Yeah. It's a TV show no. with about a band.
2: <laughs> I'm sure she's heard of the monkeys. I, I've, heard of, I've heard of the monkeys,
1: but I couldn't. Maybe it's just some no, of the what, see... and stuff that's on it. Uh, hey, don't... hey, with the monkeys.
2: Day dream believer, <laughs>
1: <laughs> always my uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah.
1: This is, this is <laughs> on, know, my, my musical <laughs> knowledge coming out now.
2: Yeah, this to be honest isn't one of my um favourites.
3: I don't think I have enough knowledge of the monkeys to kind of go, Yeah, I, I get where that's coming from. Yeah. Um, we don't have quite like this one.
2: You're, you're not a fan, Lucy? No, I it's okay, but I don't love it. This one. I prefer Teenage Millionaire. What do do you like it, this this one?
3: Yeah, I do like this one, yeah. (laughs) Again, I just think it's really I think I think it's because it's a catchy one. Yeah. Yeah, Another catchy one.
1: Yeah, it's a bit more upbeat, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
1: So every time should we move on to every time we say goodbye? Yeah. So this was originally written by Cole Porter. The most known version is that from Ella Fitzgerald part of the Great American Songbook, published in 1944. Ella released it in 1956. Also, it was recorded by Ray Charles in 1961. Porter begins with an A major chord and ends with an A minor one, matching the mood of the music to the words change from major to minor. And it was the B-side to Lazy Days. There we go. I would claim the credit for knowing all that, but Lucy researched that, so (laughs) I can't, but...
2: (laughs) I think it's just a really beautifully sung song and kind of shows what he was capable of uh, vocally. Just simple and beautiful.
3: Yeah, Um, I massively
2: agree on that one.
3: Um, I think it was a great lyric. And I love, well, you've just said the lyric yourself, Matt, with the from major to minor, right at the end of the song. I think that's such a lovely line. Um, And I think... It's kind of one that you really want to hear him sing, like, acoustic, because I think his vocal would be so good on
1: it.
2: Yeah.
4: Is,
3: yeah.
2: Is it quite high to sing that one?
1: It's quite high. <laughs> yeah.
2: Quite I say this about again, a lot then. of these
1: early songs. <laughs> um, although I don't remember Ella Fitzgerald's version being high. I'm sure a She had could quite sing a, a bit she had much deeper voice. She was quite, it was, she really,
3: was quite low.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I really like it as well. I just like the simple piano and the vocals. It's just, yeah, it's just a beautiful song. Um, One thing I did notice, though, because I listened to the Ella Fitzgerald version, hers was three minutes and 29 seconds and his version was two minutes and 59 seconds. But I didn't actually work out what the difference was, whether there was more instrumentals or less lyrics. I I don't know. Mm. Do
3: you reckon it's a royalty thing? (laughs) 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 Yeah,
2: (laughs) I think probably it sort of almost shows his start of his swing career this song yeah because it's a bit more down that route isn't it yeah the first one he recorded that was a bit in that style
3: yeah yeah great point really was wasn't it it was yeah definitely I think he's because he he, he's always said hasn't he he loves that style of music um Mm. and I guess you know and that one this song, compared to the others that we've already spoke about, is really a different tempo, isn't it? So maybe it was him going on oh, really, you know, trying to kind of, you know, he was all about experimenting with all different styles at that time, wasn't he? Um, and like Lucy says, it's maybe him kind of going, oh, this is, you know, I really want to go the swing route and let's just try it as a B-side and see where it
2: goes. Yeah.
1: I also think that a lot of people, well, let's face it, he received a lot of criticism in the early days. I think it actually shows that he can sing really well, you know, it's just yeah. a a classic song that everybody knows and just it's a really, just a really really good vocal.
2: So, let's move on to Cheap Love Song. This was a B-side to South of the Border. It's written by Robbie, Owen Morris and Chris Abbott. Um Owen mixed Oasis is definitely maybe What's the Story and Be Here Now albums. And he actually appears on the cover of What's the Story holding the album's master tape. He also produced The Verve's Northern Soul and Ashes 1977. So he was one of those real Britpop, um, well, producers, really. And this seems to be the only song that he's Mm. co-written. He now works in publicity and label management and eventually ended up at Creation Records. Uh, He now has a company with Tim Abbott, who is Robbie's ex-manager from 1995. Mm. And um Robbie also wrote the unreleased song Go Now with Owen. And he said he wrote they wrote that in a cow shed in Wales. I think he he's played that on Instagram Live he. a few times, Go Now, hasn't he? <laughs> so you can probably find that on yeah. YouTube somewhere. So although that's Owen's only like um Writing credit that he has got another writing credit but it just hasn't been released. Uh so yeah, the other South of the Border B sides were remixes. This was the only B side we got for cheap which was Cheap Love Song. Well I, I think it's about finding love or trying to find love, basically. Same old crowds but different faces. It's love we lost but we're still chasing. Take your time, feeling right, you will see it's all believing. One fine day you'll find a way, you will reach your destination. Yeah, that's what it's about. Any thoughts, Katie?
3: It's one of those ones where it wouldn't be my first to go and listen to. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know why. Because I think it's got. I think that I think it's got. You know, there are some good lyrics in there, but yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's never the. If I'm going to listen to the B side, it would not be my first choice.
2: Yeah, same. And Robbie obviously thrill's the same if he said that falling in bed again was better than cheap love song. So he clearly doesn't have <laughs> very high esteem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. The only thing I had down here as a note Is it sounds like someone else I, But I can't bring to mind who it is So that's not interesting, is it, if I say that um, <laughs> I never actually figured out who it sounded like And it also is quite Extremely high range in this song I
2: think you like saying that If I, if I can't find anything else to say That's what I say Really high <laughs> Let's move on to karaoke overkill so this was written by Robbie and Guy. Yeah,
1: I guess the lyrics are fun again, aren't they? Um, naked twister, strip poker lyrics sort of seem to stand out for me. And there's something to do with <laughs> being caned. Uh, this I did find
2: of... <laughs> some, um, Some when you look at the lyrics online, what they think are the lyrics are quite funny. Um, so basically they've got things like, I've seen you in my, in," I've seen you in my beer instead of, I've seen you in Marbella. (laughs) Here's Smuggler's House instead of Glass House. (laughs) Down to your Joker instead of Toker. And it says five current sir instead of just add vodka and stir. (laughs) 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 Like, I just think, how do people come up with those wrong lyrics? Do you know? Do you reckon it's one of those robots
3: that does it, and it's just yeah, like, it must
2: be. Yeah, I'll just put whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard to find the correct lyrics online. Yeah,
3: I'm just looking now, and I've got "Down to Your Joker" as well. In, in the version I've got,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's Toker. I mean, I think it's it, yeah. You know, they are actually really funny lyrics, and yeah, partying is such sweet sorry today when you don't know who your friends are, and neither do they. Here's my glass house. Why don't you come and view it? Hanging with your sister, playing naked twister. Down to your toker, playing strip poker.
3: <laughs> they were great times when he were writing that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely.
1: I guess it was an obvious word to rhyme with poker, really. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I like the. I've written. I like the bar 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 bits. I think that's at the end. I can't remember <laughs> how it goes now. <laughs> I like those. I like that bit.
1: I'm trying to remember it, but I can't can't remember the bar 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 (laughs) (laughs)
4: bit.
1: But they sound good, so if you want to go back and listen to the song, listen to the bar bar bars. Yeah, so that's karaoke overkill. Yeah, okay,
2: (laughs) okay. So, get the joke was written by Robbie and Gary Nuttall. Um, Gary hasn't written many songs with Robbie, he did do one of the ones earlier, I can't remember which one. Uh, and Gary, of course, is the only band member to have consistently been in Robbie's band from the very beginning to now, wow. to now. And this was a B-side to Angels.
1: I love the rhythm on this song. It's like one of those real foot-tapping songs, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I also thought this was a cover at first. But um, then, then I thought, we well, only have to listen to the lyrics to know that it's Williams-esque, <laughs> of course. Um <laughs> especially when they shout "arse" at the end of the song. Arse? <laughs> Quite like that. What do you think about this song, Katie?
3: Uh I lo- I love this song so much. Um, oh, really I don't know if you've seen Yeah, you... see, I don't know if you've seen that um he does an acoustic version. Um you can I think it's on um Either in a in a sanctum DVD that the fan club sent out years ago. Oh
4: yeah, I have got it.
3: Or a it all. It a long time. You have know, watched it. Right. Um, I have got it's it. It's on YouTube as well. Uh and he sat in he sat in a dressing room, I think, with Gary on the guitar.
2: Yeah. And they
3: do an acoustic version. And the vocal is so incredible on that one. Um oh, I
2: think I do remember and, that now, now that you describe it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Can you remember? And they, they film it yeah. for part of kind of you know, before mobile phones and YouTube and blogs yeah. and all that sort of stuff, they do it. It's D V D. DVD. Um, and I like the song anyway, but when I heard that version, like I say, his vocal is so good on it. And yeah. as Matt said, it's a typical Robbie song, um, yeah. you know, full of, full of cheekiness and, you know, ridiculous lyrics. But, yeah, <laughs> I think it's a brilliant one. I think it's one of those that kind of got um, a little bit lost, I don't, you know, and I think yeah. if you, yeah. like we were just saying, if, if the songs on on kind of iTunes and those sorts of things, I think they're could, there's probably there's some songs out there that some fans might not even know exist because they, you know, yeah. they have got lost a little bit and an absolutely yeah. brilliant one. And, and I'd love, love to hear this one live. I think it would be so good. <laughs> it would be
2: really funny.
1: So your recommendation then, <laughs> Katie, to the fans is to go and listen to that song, go and find Get The Joke. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah get the Robert joke. It's it great. Some
3: it's, point. It, it, yeah, it's typical, typical Robbie cheekiness in a song for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a great one. I think it's a great kind of, you know, tap your feet to <laughs> yeah.
2: It just kind of sounds comedic, doesn't it? Like the whole vibe of the song yeah. just sounds fun
4: yeah. and
3: I, I always, I always just think that they've literally sung it and gone. And made it up on the spot, and then can quick press record. And I feel like it's a sort of song that they're just (laughs) almost making up as they're singing it. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, probably. I think. Yeah,
2: probably. Favorite
4: lyrics. Probably did.
2: Well, I like it's suing season, and I am broke. Yeah, that was around the time that Nigel was suing him, and I think he was suing uh, the take that record label as well, and lost and had to pay them a lot of money. Yeah. Um, who put this spanner stroke chainsaw in my spokes? <laughs> <laughs> I am a sports fan, a real bloke, but I don't know why that makes him a real bloke being a sports fan. You'd disagree with that, wouldn't you?
1: Well, It's a bit of a traditional sort of view of things, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, whatever that means.
2: Have you got any
3: favorite lyrics? Um, probably classy or flashy at home with Lassie. (laughs) (laughs) That
2: is a good one. It's just so random, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: That is a good one. So Lucy, did you say this song reminds you of Walk This Slay? That's yeah, maybe, I don't know why, but because they the were the same. Maybe why you thinking it was a Christmas song. Yeah, because before.
2: they're oh they were the same B sides, same...
3: weren't they?
2: Yeah, they were both yeah. with angels. Yeah, well, some reason yeah. when I hear "Get the joke," yeah. I just think of "Walk This Sleigh" all the time. Yeah. So next, next song is um, "Angels" acoustic version, which was a B side to "Angels." Mm. And we thought we'd bring this one in so that Katie can give her thoughts on angels because obviously we discussed angels in the last episode yeah but if Katie has anything to say on angels then you can say it here
3: (laughs) in a safe environment um (laughs) (laughs) yeah angels um (laughs) I might be about to be really controversial here
2: that's allowed Uh,
3: the only time I ever listen to it is when I see him live I won't ever listen to it any other time wow um I don't it's not because I don't think it's a good song you know it kind of was the song that changed everything I think for me it's just
2: overplayed personally yeah yeah Yeah, because when you put Robbie Williams onto YouTube it just comes up angels angels yeah and I think as much as
3: you know like I say it's a good song for me it's not his best um yeah. and yeah. I feel like I've heard it so many times. And as we've already mentioned, people assume it's a Christmas song. So then that's it. Yeah. As soon as it gets to October, they start playing it because it's Christmas then. <laughs> <And> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what what I'd be interested to say, what were your what were your thoughts in the last episode on Angels?
2: Well, I do still really like it and I do play it, and it is my alarm every morning on my phone. So
1: we hear it every day.
2: Yeah. But that's mainly because it. <laughs> or a
1: bit of it anyway, not it, the whole thing. I normally stop it. Depends before he how long Lucy singing. sleeps in before. Like, I don't have an alarm. I just wake <laughs> up when I wake
2: up. Um, but because it starts really softly, I find it more relaxing as an alarm than actual alarm sounds that you get on your phone because it's just a gentle piano playing. <laughs> so that's my reason for having angels.
1: <laughs> I'm like you, Katie. It's a really. Obviously, it's just an incredible song. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. Definitely should have been number one. Yeah. And I think when you tell oh, novel NovoMobby sure. fans that it never got to number one, I think they're all quite surprised. Oh, of course it did. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's not, it's not, apart from Lucy's Alarm, it's not one that we would put on often. But then again, I think when we're in the car, we don't really skip it either, do we, if it comes no. on? Um, but uh yeah, I think Robbie Robbie knows why that's an important song and I think the fans understand, like you said, why it's important, but yeah, um, it's...
2: I've got other songs that I like more.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, completely. I I, completely. I, I I feel for Rob that he doesn't want that to be the song that defines him, but he knows why it's important and he knows why he's got to continue singing it and... You know, I don't think he hates it, but... No,
2: I think he does like it. I think it. he
1: does like it. He understands the importance of it. But I think for fans, I know, yeah, sometimes it's a bit a bit bittersweet. It's weird. When I listen to it, it yeah. brings up like a real mixture of emotions. It's like, you know, because people have it played at funerals and things. But it's, yeah, I I always hear the beauty in the song and the lyrics. Um but it does annoy me when you say, oh, yeah, we're Robbie Fett. Oh, angels. You know, it's immediately, if if you meet someone you don't know, they're like, oh, yeah, angels. Yeah. Or angel.
3: Name the song by <laughs> oh Robbie that's not angel. <laughs> don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so from a fan point of view, it can create annoyances, can't it, even though it's a good masterpiece. It, it, yeah. In discussion, it can sometimes create annoyance.
4: Yeah, I think,
3: Robbie said it says it himself, doesn't he? Quite a lot, like with, with gigs, like he has to do the hits, so he has to do Angels because you know the hardcore yeah. fans make up only a certain percentage of that stadium, and he has to yeah, sing yeah. it because otherwise, you know, yeah. people will be like, Well, oh, he didn't sing all the hits and stuff." Yeah. And yeah. and sometimes I think, oh, that's a shame that he feels like he has to sing it. It's got to, yeah, that song yeah. has got to that point that it's almost like oh, I have to do it now. Um, and like I say, I, you know, I, when it's live, yeah, I think you know, I, I still. I still love it like listening to it but yeah for me overplayed but that's not any other reason than you know the radios and those sorts of things that, you know yeah, kind of put yeah. it on all the time towards the end of the year and you're just yeah. like oh god you know there are there are <laughs> there is more to them than that song I think
2: <laughs> yeah
1: Lucy I don't know whether you know this but I'm intrigued what are the extra bits because the acoustic version is different from
2: well I think it's just um, like less drums, and it's mm-hmm. acoustic guitar instead of electric guitar. I'd say uh, more strings. <laughs> I think that's the difference. Slightly really.
1: different backing vocals. I think yeah. in some of the bits, some of the RRs. Um, yeah, the
4: different. backing
2: vocals were a bit different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's about the only. I thing think that's
3: my get. favorite track so far. Less drums. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes. <laughs>
1: Us musos here, you know. <laughs> we're yeah. Just these
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're not musicians.
0: <laughs> Hi, I'm Robbie Williams and you're listening to Robbie Williams' Rewind with the Champions. So let's move on to
2: uh, Walk This Sleigh.
0: Yeah, Walk This Sleigh. Written by
1: Robbie and Guy and it was the B-side to Angels.
2: So this is his early Christmas song, isn't it?
1: Yes. And I remember there's a there's a bit of rapping thrown in at the beginning. Mine Happy is birthday, yours. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's it. Happy birthday, Jesus Christ.
2: Oh, no, that's not a rap. That's just one of the verses, isn't it? Yeah. Here's the Spice Girls merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he now says Justin Bieber merchandise in one of his other songs, doesn't he? Does he? He's moved with the times.
3: Yes, his Christmas songs have evolved
2: since yeah. "Walk This Sleigh." Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Someone did ask him at some point why "Walk This Sleigh" wasn't on the Christmas present, and he said, "Because it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's too eye." <high. laughs> <laughs> um, I do like the line: "Pushed to find three wise men, you definitely won't find a virgin." Yeah. <laughs> do you like this song katie
3: yeah i do i mean um i think it's a bit like with get the joke um kind, of quite playful like pl- quite kind of cheeky lyrics Typical yeah. rock, mm-hmm. i think this one yeah um you yeah. I kind of I kind of get why it didn't end up on the Christmas present. Maybe yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> again, I feel like it's one of those that he's just kind of written and gone quick press record. <laughs> this is really, this yes. is really good, um, <laughs> but again, it is it's quite it's quite a fun song, what you know, and I quite like that about it. I think that's why.
2: Also, thinking about the line "Happy Birthday, Jesus Christ." Obviously, he did write then go on to write uh, a song called "Happy Birthday, Jesus Christ" for the christmas it did, indeed, yeah. yeah so perhaps he did listen to walk this sleigh to get some ideas for his christmas album this song always reminds me of christmas rapping you know that song christmas rapping
1: christmas rapping
2: no can you <laughs> sing no i can't think it, can, Let's it, hear is. it Lucy. uh it's like a girl kind of oh, <laughs> rapping christmas lyrics <laughs> <laughs> it's called christmas rapping
1: well there is a bit of rapping thrown in the beginning isn't there this yeah song? In a very stoky sort of accent. Yeah, that's
2: probably why it makes me think of it.
1: And then I love there's a crazy like guitar instrumental bit about two minutes in, just before it finishes, it just kind of goes a bit bit nuts. Yeah. Quite like that. Yeah. Robbie's good in it as well, of course, but
2: <laughs> it's just basically a fun <laughs> song, isn't it?
1: I think Katie's right. It's it one is, of those yeah. they're like, This is funny, let's have a laugh. Get it down, get it recorded.
2: That'll do as a B side. Done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need two B sides.
3: Oh God, I've only got one. Quick.
2: Yeah. Let's go. Sometimes
1: <laughs> life's just like that, isn't it? You just got to get it done. <laughs>
3: yeah. I'd love to know how long that took to write that song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Half an hour. Is that rude? What rhymes with Jesus Christ? Uh, merchandise, yeah.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> Some of the best songs are written very quickly, though, so yeah. we shouldn't we they shouldn't were. judge.
2: They weren't. So let's move on to "Back for Good" live. Yeah, this was also a B-side to "Angels." Um, I guess it was recorded at one of his October '97 gigs on the show off Moscow on tour. Obviously, written by Gary Barlow. And it was the last song that was released when Robbie was actually a full member of Take That. So probably the last song that he would have actually sung with them when he was in the band. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely love this version of Back For Good. <laughs> I love it so much. I prefer it to the original. <laughs> and when, so when I, I take <laughs> do you? Oh, good. Yeah, when I'm at a take that concert and they sing it the normal way just I just find it so boring you just want to start the rock
3: bit don't you yeah I do you like to start bouncing you're like oh it's not that version this is sad yeah.
4: <laughs> I
2: know I just love it and on those early tours when he used to sing it everyone just used to go mental jumping up and down to this it was so good
1: well, you can hear, yeah, that in, yeah, exactly. in, in that recording, you can hear the take that fans going crazy. Well, I yeah. say the take that fans because there will be fans, but well, just going absolutely crazy, yeah, in that recording. I mean, doing all was, the backing what, vocals, where was it recorded? I know I it was in it's in Manchester. But...
2: Is it Manchester? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what place it was.
1: I like the way he says, uh, does he say it at the beginning? Don't worry, it gets better in the chorus. Yeah. That's a really bad accent. I don't know <laughs> why I did it. But he doesn't worry. He says worry. He doesn't say worry like that. Doesn't sound anyway. Welsh. Don't worry.
2: <laughs>
1: he says, don't worry, it'll get better. It gets better in the chorus. I don't know. That's stuck in my mind.
2: And also, when I'm seeing Take That Live and they're singing it and they say, I celebrated glory, but it was not to be. I always hear, I contemplated foreplay. Because he sings that as well sometimes, doesn't he?
1: He does <laughs> sing that sometimes. He
2: does, yeah. There's a couple of
3: versions he does, isn't there? He flips between and that's one of them.
2: Yeah.
3: Makes me laugh.
1: But I, I think it's also, it's got a, well, I think when I first, when you first played it to me, I was like, really? Is he allowed to do this song? You know, is just allowed. Um, but it's got a really sort of thrash metal, heavy rock feel to it. I don't know, it sounds a bit like Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. I think it's quite fitting, though, because it's got, it's anarchy, isn't it? It's anarchistic. Um, And he even says anarchy to the crowd at one point. So I can just imagine, like, the sea of fans hearing that song in the very early days for the first time just going crazy. Or probably certain people hating it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I bet some do. (laughs)
3: I think I remember when I heard it live. um One of the first times he started singing it, and but I think I'd already heard it, so I kind of knew what was coming. But you could kind of almost see like he start to sing it, and people in the audience were like, oh let's "Take that, woo!" And then to get to the chorus, and they'd all be like, "Huh?" And you could almost <laughs> hear this collective like, "Oh, this is different." And then by the end of it, they were like really into it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it is so clever, isn't it? I mean, we, we've we heard it so many times yeah. now, but that contrast, that tempo change between the ballad and the hardcore rock bit is just a light and shade, isn't it? I mean, I just think it's so clever how they've done that. And then he gets everyone to mosh. Yeah. Did you two mosh in the early
2: yeah, days? Yeah, to... definitely. Did you? We yeah. Were a
1: bit too young? You were yeah. in the mosh pit? No. Up and down?
2: Was fully in that.
1: Crowd surfing. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um completely. my favourite time when he <laughs> sung it was when he did it at the Troxy for the Brits Icon Award. And Take yeah. That joined him and they sung this version. And well, that's the only time Take That has sung this version. I was brilliant. so excited. <laughs> yeah, that
3: Absolutely was that brilliant. was brilliant.
1: Did Gary Barlow yeah. look as though he was enjoying it though?
2: They I'm kind sure of did. did Do you think they
1: did? I'm sure they did. Yeah, they can't...
3: Yeah, I think they did. I thought I think um I think Mark
2: especially had a great time. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> but I do wonder what Gary actually yeah. thinks of it.
3: Yeah, I know. You'd love to ask him, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think I have tried to ask him before on like Insta Live or something, but he never answers anyone's questions, does he, on there? so. <laughs> Come
1: on, Gary. <laughs> so, up your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Naive here, right, is, is a fact. It's sort of semi-related, okay? So at the end of the song, I can hear that he launches off into Get Your Rocks Off, yeah. I think, cover from Primal Scream. You that one, Katie? Yeah. I really like that song, is why I'm asking, because I looked it up to hear the original for like, and, and for the first time in 27 years, I actually learned the definition of Get Your Rocks Off. So here's Mr. Naive's comment. <laughs> Do you know what it means?
2: Yeah.
1: I didn't know that. I didn't it means to orgasm or to get extreme pleasure or satisfaction. It's funny how you sing along with songs for like twenty years or more, not knowing that you're singing about oh, orgasms. Right. I didn't know that.
2: I think I did know that.
1: <laughs> Why didn't you tell me?
3: I just didn't. didn't I? <laughs> she wanted to hear you explain it on a podcast. I, yes.
1: I, I may have known but I may have forgotten it's possible but I'm sure Lucy's about to give us another interesting fact as well
2: no I just remembered when he um, says about I guess now it's time for me to throw up I like that <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a dig it's almost like
3: yeah yeah exactly I was literally about to say it's like here's yeah. me you know the first kind of verse is all like yeah here's me take that being all good in the boy band and yeah. nah I'm gonna rebel yeah and it's almost yeah. kind of reflects that
1: him leaving, doesn't it, almost? And it's like, yeah. 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 And then lipstick mark on your coffee, coffee cup. Wash, Wash it up. Wash it up. Wash it up. Surely wasn't <laughs> in the
3: original. No, it wasn't in the original, but I always <laughs> well, sing that now. That... <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I've seen Take That Live, yeah. if they're doing it, I'll sing Rob's lyrics now to it and not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take that
2: one. Yeah, so do I.
4: Brilliant.
2: I always sing Wash yeah. It Up, but no one else ever joins in around me. <laughs> Obviously you know what? Next friends. time
3: we we'll still get together this
2: day, we'll sing it loud together. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's move on and talk about the Brits full Monty medley with Tom Jones at the Brits, and this was the B-side to "Let Me Entertain You," and the recording of this performance was with Tom at the Brits on the nineteenth of February, nineteen ninety-eight. The full Monty soundtrack which this is from, won the best soundtrack or cast recording at the Brit Awards, which is probably why Robbie and Tom performed it. The Brits used to be known for getting acts to do duets together of unexpected songs. Tom Jones said, he reminds me of myself. He's got that confidence. So Lucy and I were watching a 1997 TV interview a while ago, and he said, if there's anyone I'd like to do a duet with, it's Tom Jones. Did I say Tom Cruise before or Nicole Kidman laughing at his own joke? Little did he know that it would only be a few months before he would duet with Tom, and a few years before he would be duetting with Nicole.
2: Isn't that weird?
1: So great fact, amazing! What you put your mind to can actually happen. <laughs> but how random yeah.
2: as well, Nicole Kidman. I mean, I she wasn't yeah, even yeah, known really as a Brandon. singer. Yeah. Well, no. There you go. Yeah, so I think that this um, performance at the Brits actually helped Robbie's album, Life Through a Lens, reach number one after this performance. Right. And also he was on um, Parky the same week as the Brits where he performed Angels. And those two performances helped Life Through a Lens finally reach number one after, what, six, four, five months after release? Yeah, yeah.
1: Because the Brits back in those days, I mean, it still is massive, but it was, like, really massive. Everybody watched the Brits, yeah. basically to see whether the celebrities would behave themselves or not and who would jump on stage. Or, you know. <laughs> and the music, of course.
3: <laughs> we we need to, we can't not talk about that Brits performance and not talk about the outfit. I know.
1: <laughs> Go on then, tell us about it, Katie.
3: So as I remember, it was like a... Uh, like black leather trousers, wasn't it? And a, yeah. almost like a black leather jacket that was done all the yeah. way up, wasn't it? It was <laughs> at the beginning, at least. Anyway,
2: I think Tom had a suit on, didn't he? He looked quite I don't well dressed. He just looked like old style Tom <laughs> Jones in the sixties. I something. think that's what they
1: were trying. I think you're right. I think they were trying to purposely contrast it. Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: I just love his um, crazy dancing in that performance when he was trying to dance like Tom Jones he used to
3: it was kind of like go big or go home wasn't it I think he was kind of the only way I know how to do this is just to go crazy with it
1: especially when you're on stage with a legend I mean I'd imagine he must have been quite although he was probably excited about the performance I'd imagine he must have been quite nervous about being on stage with Tom as well I mean
2: was it live as wow, well, the Brits? Yeah, it would have been, but they probably would have had a small delay in case of any... Yeah.
1: But, but, yeah, I think it was filmed filmed as live with a slight delay, yeah.
3: Yeah, I just wondered if that's why another reason why he went uh, kind of so big with the dancing and that sort of thing, you know, because he was, <laughs> yeah. he's always been quite nervous, hasn't he? So Stuff like that, and if he hasn't done anything for a while and obviously being on stage with a legend that is Sir Tom. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, big I remember moment. all the papers were next day as well yeah and he still sings land of a thousand dances now which is quite nice because obviously that was in that medley percy faith your pony
1: uh, Moni ferroni auntie lucy auntie lucy yeah auntie lucy yeah you like that bit
2: (laughs) i like the auntie lucy bit is that
3: because it said your name lucy
2: (laughs) yeah Um, one of my old colleagues um who's retired now she's a bit older than my mum she was so excited to get a smart TV purely so that she could have YouTube on it and watch that performance over and over again on YouTube because she absolutely loves that performance of Robbie and loves Tom Jones and she was obsessed with it. And she was so excited. She told me that she could save that and watch it on her smart TV. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She's in her seventies. Oh, that's so sweet. So if we move on to, I wouldn't normally do this kind of thing a B-side to Let Me Entertain You, but it was also on the Japanese version of Angels, a cover of the Pet Shop Boys song, which was written by Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe. And it was the first of many crossovers with the Pet Shop Boys. Um, from the Pet Shop Boys' 1993 album, Very, it describes a person normally normally hesitant to unwind and show their feelings, who, because of some event in their life, suddenly becomes willing to loosen up. Apparently, that's what I read it was about and the Pet Shop Boys version reached number 13 in the UK. Robbie's version can be heard in Friends in the episode entitled The One With The Routine, mm. and it was used on the Friends soundtrack released on the 23rd of November 99, along with other artists, which I didn't know until recently. It
3: was. I was, I was watching it the other day and it came on and I was like, oh yeah, they forgot that they played it in there. Um, can you actually hear it? I think it's the one where... Yeah, I think it's the one where it's the. I'm sure it's when they're filming the New Year's special. If you've ever watched yeah. Friends and Monica and Ross, oh yeah, I've watched them doing all, their yeah.
2: dance routine. Yeah, I can remember it's Rachel and Ross doing their dance routine, but I don't remember Robbie singing. Yeah, oh, the
1: in dance routines. It. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's only it's a very short
3: clip um, within right. the program, um, but I yeah I remember kind of being like, yeah, this is the, they used the Robbie version for some reason
2: weird but isn't it's it? yeah you can you can you can hear it in there if you watch the episode um you can hear it we will definitely be watching it at some point soon we're going to make our kids watch all of friends all of them
4: <laughs> oh, once
2: we've obviously. finished only Fools and <laughs> <are> horses <laughs> <laughs> continuing their television education that's yeah. fabulous choices yeah yeah i'm guessing that robbie covered this just because he loves the pet shop boys uh, and I wondered whether it came about as a result of him speaking to Neil and doing the Noel Coward tribute and album or whether he did this and then maybe Neil thought, oh, you know, Robbie's interested in Pet Shop Boys, I'll speak to him about doing the Noel Coward thing. And I don't know. wonder what came first.
4: Mm.
1: I don't know. All I do know is that it really works for Rob, this song. Yeah. It just absolutely works his voice his style the sound it just it's a brilliant song. i mean maybe i'm a bit like yeah i'm a bit biased because it's pet shop boys possibly because but it just yeah it's just a really incredible song i'm surprised that any oh no their their version their, their version got to 13
2: yeah it? yeah
1: yeah surprised that any got to 13
2: it's a great song i think but i love the pet shop boys yeah katie what do you think you like the song yeah, just
3: second what Matt said. I think it really suits him. I think yeah. it's a great song. It's one you could just listen to and you'd be... It's just so upbeat, isn't it? And I think you could yeah. listen to it in a bad mood and you'd be like, yeah, cool, good to go again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, complete, completely suits him um, for sure.
2: He's sung quite a few Pet Shop Boys songs over the years and they do always seem to suit him. Yeah. They must sing in the same key as Robbie. Do you want to move on to this? next one
1: i am the resurrection or erection
2: sometimes it's written res erection isn't it (laughs) yeah yes yeah
1: (laughs) i
3: was waiting for how matt was going to pronounce it
1: (laughs) yeah i didn't want to draw attention to it um (laughs) so this was written by robbie and guy and it was the b-side to let me entertain you As Lucy said, sometimes listed as "I am the res" in brackets, erection.
4: Yeah,
2: Um, yeah. In the song, it mentions Mia Farrow, and I had to look her up. But she was an actress, stroke activist, who was married to Sinatra for twenty at age twenty-one for two years, Mm. and then to Woody Allen for ten years. I don't think they were married, but they were together. And I didn't actually know that. I'd heard the name, but I wouldn't have been able to say who she was. Mm. And randomly mentions. Robin Cousins, <laughs> the figure yeah. skater. There's a
1: lot of famous people in this song, <laughs> not a few.
2: Norris McWhirter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where does that come from?
1: Well, I can tell you where that comes from, Lucy. Do you want to know? Okay. <laughs> Katie, do you remember <laughs> Norris McWhirter?
3: I'd like I'd like to know your fact, please, Matt.
4: <laughs>
1: okay. Well, I love the fact that he's in it because Norris um, Dewar McWhirter CBE was a British writer Political activist and co-founder of the Freedom Association, and a television presenter. So he and his twin brother Ross were known internationally for the founding of the Guinness Book of Records. There you go. So that's that's Norris McWorter. Maybe there was something profound in it, or maybe it just rhymed. And you know,
4: <laughs> it probably <just> rhymed.
2: <laughs> I can't remember what it rhymed with now.
1: And what do you think about Shirley Bassey being in it, Lisa?
2: I hate Shirley Bassey. It's
1: that bad. Tell it like it is, Luce. Come on.
2: She just really winds there was, up. There was,
3: no, there was no sitting on the fence there, was there? At <laughs> all. It was like, oh no.
1: <laughs> She never holds back when it comes to Shirley Bassey, Katie. It's
2: just one of only about three or four people that if they come on the telly, I have to mute them. <laughs>
3: Oh, see, I'm a bit like that with Mick Hucknall.
2: No, sorry. Oh, Thank no, that's hand. another one for me. That's another one. Yes. <laughs> I don't I know what him. Yes. No, I just have like <laughs> to mute. Yes, same. Like, I, I can't listen to his music. I have to turn it over. But the worst thing is that Matt's mum loves him. Oh, yeah. She's going to see him <laughs> at a concert soon.
1: You have to go careful what you say. At yeah, your I do. House, I so.
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mick. <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway, back to Robbie. Can
3: I also, <laughs> yeah, can I also yeah. say this is the second of Robbie's songs we've talked about today that mentions Lassie?
2: Oh, is it? I didn't notice that.
3: Ah. Yeah. yeah. Shirley Bassey's playing Lassie up a pole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> do, you reckon, do you reckon they were playing reruns of Lassie when he was doing a lot of this writing and he thought, Lassie, yeah, that's right. Shirley Bassey, lots of things. <laughs>
2: It's I one reckon. of those words that he's just used again and again, like satellites is in quite a few yeah. of his songs as well.
1: Oh, but Lassie was one of those massively yeah. feel good programmes, wasn't it? You know. Lassie would always yeah. find the yeah. person so... that had got lost or sniff out the villain, you know.
2: Was it Lassie <laughs> that had a really good theme tune, or was that a different dog program?
1: I can't remember what it was, but it did have a catchy theme oh, tune. I can't remember.
2: Because there was The Littlest Hobo as well in oh, that. Oh, that that's thinking. it. I think I'm thinking of that one. <laughs> yeah, you're probably thinking of that
1: one, yeah. So what else have we got to say about I Am The Resurrection?
2: I, it just It's like a song where he's just making stuff rhyme for the sake of it, as far well as I'm concerned.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are wonderful rhyming <laughs> lyrics again here, aren't there? Yeah.
2: yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of verbal diarrhoea in this song. Um, yeah. yeah, another of those just press record and see what happens.
3: another one of
4: those
2: (laughs) i'll stick up for auntie sally Wurzel's just a dirty scally fragrant
3: (laughs) (laughs) and it's another appetizer i can go and buy a tizer i mean that's so (laughs) close in terms of what i'm isn't it appetizer, uh, appetizer
1: it's another one of those songs where it gets really heavy um i think it's sort of towards the end and it's got a real sort of doors feel to it i don't know why it's like a distorted blues guitar and the brass section start really going for it yeah um i, I love that bit i don't know there's something about that where it get really goes crazy it's just like a crescendo of noise
2: it's a bit too heavy for me
1: i love that sort of thing <laughs>
2: <laughs> Matt likes me. Matt likes Muse and I don't. So. But I'm
1: not sure what the song's actually about. So no, come on, do you know girls, Tell me what the song really is about. No. What's the meaning of the song? No, as them would say, what's the? Uh, what does he say? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know either.
3: No, it's. I think it's one of those that's got a little bit lost. Yeah. And you're trying to again one that's
2: not on iTunes. Um, oh, wasn't it? Oh.
3: But yeah. No, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find it, um, but YouTube. Um, yeah, it's
2: just one of those random ones, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But that's what we love Robbie for. We love it. All those random songs, yeah, yeah, just exactly. pure entertainment, aren't
4: exactly. they? Exactly. Like, who else writes lyrics keep, like that?
1: <laughs> why does everything have to have a meaning, eh?
3: Yeah, exactly. Why, why can't it just be about random words and
4: dogs?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the last song that we could talk about um, didn't appear on any of his B-sides. It was on the Noel Coward tribute album called 20th Century Blues.
1: Mm.
2: There are bad times around the corner. So the profits of that album were donated to the Red Hot AIDS Charitable Trust. And Robbie performed it at the Noel Coward Gala at the Park Lane Hotel. Neil Tennant, who organized it all, said he ended the show and got a standing ovation for his outstanding performance. He really brought the house down. And I wondered whether it's after that um, that Neil agreed to work with Rob on No Regrets, seeing, you know, how good he was.
1: Yeah, probably.
2: And also what I discovered is that the original lyrics to the song are way longer than the cover that Robbie did. They go, just go on and on and on about all these places, as the song does. Uh, Robbie's version cuts quite a lot out.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I looked at the lyrics and I thought, because I thought that Robbie had like made a load up, but actually some of the weird lyrics were in (laughs) the original song. So it's kind of hard to know (laughs) which bits did he tweak and change. It was a bit of an odd song anyway. Yeah, Um, very strange. Yeah, but obviously very meaningful at the time, given its sort of history and, you know, why no?
2: Well. Enlighten
4: us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I. I th- Katie may know more about this than me, but I, I think it's about, um, you know, people going off to war and, um, wars happening around the world and kind of conflict. And, you know, I, I know that there's a bit in it about pack your, pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and smile, smile, smile. Um, is the full name of a world war one marching song oh. published in 1915 in London. you See, I oh, didn't um, know that. And, uh, I think that was about a hope song during World War One. And I'm, I was wondering whether this is like a slightly more modern take. And I don't mm, know. It could be. I could be just making all that up, of course. What do you think? <laughs> Unpack your troubles from your old kit bag, you know?
3: Yeah, it mentions. um I don't know which version, Salisbury Plain. and Salisbury Plane is a oh,
4: yeah, military course.
3: training mm-hmm. area. Uh, still yeah. to this day. It's a very big military training area and a lot of the World War Two guys went and trained there before they went over to France. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, Matt, your theory is pretty right, I should imagine.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's, there's something about it that sounds similar to It's a Long Way to Tripperary, You know, it sort of reminds me of that sort of song as well.
3: Yeah, because some of the lyrics, isn't it? Suffering and dismay, there are bad times just around the corner, which kind of I guess would have been the feeling,
4: you know,
2: when the soldiers were all off to war. So yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that at all. It's interesting, but I think he's done a good job of the cover.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting song, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the, the lyrics again. I yeah. mean, they're not all his, but some of them are. But the
2: are they? I don't know. I feel like he just. I think
1: edited some of them, stuff out. I think some of them might have been tweaked a little bit. I have to go and have a look at that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, maybe he made it uh, Not up to date, but you know or Maybe slightly yeah. more relevant yeah. for the
2: time Just fun listening to all the different places Listed, just random Yeah. Names of places
1: And wait until we drop down dead
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's the last lyric It's not very nice now <laughs> <laughs> I think it's yeah. It uh, doesn't feel quite as <laughs> jolly This whole outlook on the song has
4: changed <laughs>
1: Well, it is sort of a jolly song. It's about people facing reality and the fact that wars are happening and people are, you know, going off and defending people. and Yeah. yeah. See, you've even learned something from the Robbie Williams Rewind podcast. (laughs) It's not often that my research actually is very interesting, but, you know.
2: Uh, Yeah, just to say that other awards that Robbie won during this era that we haven't mentioned yet include... Solo Artist of the Year at the GQ Awards and Best Newcomer at the Nordoff Robbins Silver Clef Awards. Mm. I didn't mention them in episode one.
1: Cool.
0: Hi, I'm Robbie Williams and you're listening to Robbie Williams Rewind with the Champions.
2: So if we move on to the tour, uh, Robbie completed a second tour promoting Life Through a Lens there were 15 shows in small venues and included some universities. He opened it on the 15th of May, 98, at the Basement Student student Union in Treforest, a village in Pontypridd in Wales, for the Glamorgan University Ball. I mean, can you imagine him playing at a university wow. ball? Can you imagine if that was your university ball? How good would that have been?
1: I'm sure there's people out there that maybe listening. Was their university yeah. ball? They're similar age to lucky. us.
2: Yeah, true. <laughs> but there's um, you can see a photo on the internet of girls stood on tables um, at the ball trying to see him on the stage.
1: I bet. So it's probably pretty raucous university. Yeah. Well, university balls are probably pretty raucous, <laughs> but people aren't always on the tables.
2: <laughs> um, and also interestingly, that was the town where tom jones was born which i didn't know Ah, why he did that ball
1: another linkage to tom jones
2: uh he also played in Chalfont st giles at the bucks college student union for two and a half thousand students at their annual may ball before going on to some bigger venues like the manchester apollo Mm. york barbican center bristol colston hall and aston villa leisure center which is where katie first saw him live is that right katie that
3: is right, yes.
2: Do you want to say anything about your first time
3: seeing Robbie? Um, so I'd wanted to see him the tour before. Um because yeah. I lived in Derby <laughs> at the time. And he played at Nottingham Rock City, but Nottingham Rock City is an over 18s venue. Oh. Um so I I was I couldn't go, wasn't allowed because I was underage. Oh. Um, and my dad the following year then surprised me with tickets to go and see him at Aston Villa, which was the late, like the, the nearest place, and he booked a bus for me from Derby, <laughs> made <laughs> my sister go with me. sister was not a fan of Robbie. Oh, so your
2: sister wasn't a
3: fan? No. no. <laughs> she basically <laughs> had to babysit me. Um, and I, I was saying to Lucy early, earlier in the week, um, if you can imagine when you used to do your PE classes at school and you were in the big gym hall where you'd play oh, yeah. basketball, etc., that is basically what I saw Robbie in for the oh first time. Um, and I kind of wish now, having seen him in all sorts of venues, that I'd appreciated how small the venue was at the time. Wow.
4: Um,
1: so it was just typical sort of sports hall size. Yeah,
3: it was, a, it was like a leisure centre. Oh, it, <laughs> it was crazy. crazy. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah, I remember kind of walking in and thinking, okay, i just left school and this looks very similar to where I have to do kids.
2: Were you near the front?
3: Yeah, so my, my sister was like, right, yeah, come on then, if I've got to be here, let's make the most of it. Uh, so I think I think I was about second row um, and I'd only seen him prior um, at the Smash It's Poll Winners Party, if you remember, they used to do those every year yeah, when Smash It's a really big thing and Robbie sang Freedom um i'd never seen him in take that because i had been too young so when i went to see take that Mm. he'd left so i'd just seen the four of them so that was the first time i'd properly seen him um and the ticket cost a massive 11 pounds 50 i've still got this oh
4: um
3: those those were the days 11 pound 50 for booking b now um (laughs) yeah even more and i just remember I I don't remember much about the gig. I was looking through... I managed to find the set list on um, the internet earlier and I kind of remember looking through it and according to the set list, I wouldn't normally do this kind of thing was the second song that I found that he sang
4: um,
3: on that tour. But yeah, I just remember being amazed at how close I was to this person that had been on my wall for all those years and I think that's the thing that stayed with me because I'd never seen been to a, a gig where I'd seen anybody that close up that was famous. Um, yeah,
2: so were, yeah, you were you fifteen, 15
3: I, at the time or something? Uh, so yeah, 16, sixteen. I think I, I 16, was just sixteen.
1: Yeah. And, and I am intrigued. Was because it was in a sports hall. I am assuming the stage can't have been that high. It must have been like quite no. low.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, quite low. And I remember it. It wasn't massive from what I from my like my memory, which might be slightly wrong. Uh, given the years that have gone by. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I remember it was quite small. It wasn't very high. You know, it's a stage that they'd just put up before that gig. Uh, all, yeah. the, all the the old bands were on it. Um, and it was pretty – I remember I remember it being pretty full, the venue. Um, and I'd taken my camera, my battery ran out, and my sister was Aww. asked if she could go over to the garage and get a little wind-on camera. Do you remember those displays? Yeah. <laughs> so they, they wouldn't have to go. Um, so I don't actually have any photos of the first gig, um, but yeah, I just, I just, I do remember kind of going, yeah, that that was that was amazing, that was something
2: else, um, and yeah. that kind of started it all. Really well. um, never looked back since, because <laughs> <laughs> I saw him on that tour at the Forum on the third of June, which was the actual one that was broadcast live, the pay per view concert on Sky. Uh, it was called Live in Your Living Room. And then released on VHS later. I'm guessing that you've got a copy of that as well, like I do. (laughs) Have you still got a VHS? We've still got a VHS player, so that I can still play. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then he also played at the Royal Albert Hall as well on the 8th of June. But I didn't go to that one. And he said at the time, I'm an old-fashioned entertainer, but in a 90s styley, that's what I do. Um. And rw.com website says, suddenly he was packing out venues and touts were selling tickets at double and triple their face value, which would still have only been about 30 quid. <laughs> <laughs> With his status <laughs> soaring from X Take That Star to credible solo artist, his predominantly female crowds were starting to bring their boyfriends and a new fan base was promptly formed. Robbie was loving his life on the road a tight-knit band that doubled as a temporary family, they were all great friends, travelling from venue to venue on one bus with minimal security. Nothing had really changed with, with regards to the shows and the size of the venues. The biggest stage show was being saved for the forthcoming Arena Tour, which was being planned for early 99.
1: Yeah, and in his fanzine solo, he said, no matter how grueling a tour is, I find it really rewarding It's a very special time for me and nothing's going to spoil it. I'm relaxed and I feel like I'm finally getting it right. This is the highest I've ever been. I'm on top of the world and I'm feeling great.
2: It's just funny that he says that because like most of the time he says he hates touring. So (laughs) I do wonder whether that was real. (laughs) And that period was still a little bit iffy as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe at that
1: moment the quote was taken. (laughs) He was feeling like that.
2: The Independent reviewed the show saying this is going to be Robbie's summer with a rash of gigs lined up before he heads to Glastonbury, that mythical site where three summers ago he did first spatter a dung on his squeaky clean, take that brethren. He is striding like some Latter-day Prince Hal to claim a crown of fame that actually fits him. I mean, how true is that, that quote? Yeah. Certainly became true, didn't it? Definitely. And the Times said in May 1998, this was a show which marked the blossoming of a major star. So yeah, I went to the um, Live at the Forum concert and I was about third row and we actually turned up quite late. But in those days, you used to be able to. Um, People didn't queue at all. I think we even went to the pub before. We met about six. We went to the pub, probably turned up to the gig about eight and then we were still about third row. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how things have changed. But that was the vibe yeah. then. It was like a real indie vibe. It wasn't a teeny bopper crowd. It was more of yeah. an indie crowd, I felt. And um, I can remember I was wearing my combat jeans because that was the fashion of the time, a la <laughs> All Saints. Because <laughs> I can remember putting everything <laughs> in, in all the the pockets of my combat jeans suddenly had pockets we should bring those bats for gigs they are ideal yeah (laughs) and matt and i recently re-watched the interview that robbie did with chris evans before that concert like literally the in the dressing room before he went on stage well
1: it seems a little bit wired yeah let's let's say (laughs) let's say that (laughs) (laughs) He was uh yes
2: it was a very interesting interview.
1: <laughs> he was a little bit um strange <laughs> <laughs> and <Manic. laughs> normal and a bit <laughs> manic and a bit kind of eyes wide open. <laughs> so it's a good job it was Chris Evans interviewing him because Chris has got a way of uh, working with that style I think and so they actually they yeah, they clicked quite well considering that Ruby was uh high let's let's say
2: Um, but basically I think that the tour that me and you um, went to Katie on that when you went to Aston Villa and I went to the forum I think basically it was just all leading up to the summer festival concerts that he did yeah just a rehearsal for those really
1: right so smaller purposely smaller venues
2: just to get him used to performing on his own
1: rather than big scary like you know arenas and yeah.
4: yeah.
2: Um yeah, yeah so he took it, to the Glastonbury stage on the 27th of June and apparently in front of approximately 100,000 people. And
1: I was there. And I remember some of it.
2: <laughs> Not necessarily all of
1: it, but I do remember some of that Glastonbury weekend. But he doesn't,
2: um, he knows he saw Robbie, I, but he's not sure he can really remember anything well, about it. Well, you know,
1: it. this was a long time ago. I was 23, now 45. And uh, what I do know is that that was known and I think still is known as one of Glastonbury's wettest and muddiest ever. And it was the year when some people's tents were even flooded by sewage. And there's all these horrible pictures of tents with this sort of much water around them and ah oh, yeah it was it was a pretty difficult place to walk around but um yeah I mean I've I've been to Glastonbury quite a few times and uh, particularly in the in the late 90s and early noughties and um even my dad tells me stories of when he went in the uh, 70s where it was just a bunch of people and a band on the back of a trailer um but interestingly yeah coming to Robbie I think Glastonbury back in the day, not so long ago, used to get a bit tetchy about, um, so-called mainstream pop stars taking the main stage, you know, you used to have to be sort of cool and in a particular set. And so, um, but the good thing is that Glastonbury's continued to be quite progressive and reinvent itself. And I think Robbie was definitely one of those early trailblazers, you know, on, on the main stage and he gave an incredible performance. I mean, he must have been shitting himself, that's clear. I mean, the the, the Glastonbury audience can be (laughs) quite a scary bunch, especially on the main stage. You know, there's a proper mosh pit at the front. It was pretty crazy back in those days. Um, But everyone got right behind him, the whole crowd, everybody. And uh, most people were singing the words to most of the songs, especially angels. I mean, that was just a standout moment to hear, You know, tens of thousands of sticky, sweaty festival goers covered in mud joining in unison. It was like a really yeah, special moment, actually. So, yeah, it was good. And I made a note of a few of the songs that we think he sang because it's pretty hard to find the set list. And obviously in those days there were no phones, didn't really have a camera on me. So, but we know that he sang Let Me Entertain You, Life Through a Lens, South of the Border, Back for Good, Old Before I Die, He sang There She Goes by The Lars, the cover. And The Sun Came Out when he sang that. And of course, he finished with Angels. But I don't remember the set being all that long. I reckon he was there for about maybe an hour-ish. And he didn't talk too much. I think he was quite... you know, He did talk, but I think he was quite nervous and just kind of got on with the songs and gave a good show.
2: Well, one of the things he did say was, last time I was here, I got the sack. Thank fuck for that. Yeah.
1: Well, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Of course he had to get that in. And he was there with, uh, Liam Gallagher, I think before, before. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In 95. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean
1: that year, other acts, uh, included people like blur pulp chemical brothers and melody maker said, so screw that he's such an entertainer cliche, spewed out by everyone who falls victim to his cannonball genius he's not an entertainer he's an he's entertainment itself he will take over everything expect the bacon McRobbie when he consumes mcdonald's expect robbie soft explorer when he chews up bill gates
2: so that's a pretty good quote from melody maker isn't it considering yeah. how snobbish they were
1: yeah i mean <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, I think going and going to Glastonbury and he and his management knew it was make or break. You know, it could have gone one way or the other with the critics and and especially with, as I said, the audience are not very forgiving at Glastonbury. (laughs) So the fact that they really got behind it, loved it, it went so well. It was the talk of the festival.
2: I was rereading Robbie's 2010 book, You Know Me, and he's got a quote about Glastonbury, he said, Glastonbury wasn't something that I was looking forward to. It hadn't been that long ago that I was considered an embarrassment in those circles. Here I was turning up as an act, and I wasn't sure whether they were going to bottle me off stage. It felt like putting your head in the lion's mouth. I remember standing at the side of the stage waiting to go on, with all these thoughts running through my mind about who I was and what I meant to these people, and the anticipation and fear of being accepted or not. I was also in the middle of learning the craft, learning who I am as a performer. And I think after the first or second number, I thought, they're buying this. Great. It felt very triumphant. And by the time of Angels, I'm told that it was the biggest ever assembled audience at the main stage. It had also been raining and that was the first time the sun had appeared. So that's Robbie's thoughts on his Glastonbury performance and his only Glastonbury performance because he's never been back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day.
2: Would you go, Katie, if he performed there? Uh,
3: (laughs) I don't know, you know, because he'd be the only person
2: that I'd want to see, and it's pretty expensive. (laughs) As I've Um, always said to Matt, that I would only go to see Robbie, and then I'd leave. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
3: Just Just something I know a lot of people. A lot of people go. A lot of people love it. It's just never been a thought of thing that I've been like, yeah, know, yeah. I've just never been that bothered. I think, you know, like I say, if, if you did do it, I'd kind of be like, yeah, I'm kind of done now.
4: I've <laughs> <So you laughs>
1: what I
3: wanted to see. <laughs>
1: yeah. I understand that. I understand both your points of view. Whereas I love the eclectic mix of music that's there. You know, there's absolutely everything there. Uh, every style, every genre of music, uh, established acts, new acts. And so it, it's a great place to go and see lots and lots of different music and artists including piss artists and various other artists. Um, but yeah, it is hard work. I mean, the camping and the mud that year made everything difficult. Everything just going from one stage to another took you hours because you had to avoid great lakes of shit and mud. And it was not nice. Um, but then you just forget about it. When you see a performer like Robbie on stage, you just stood there, you're with a group of friends and, uh, yeah, you, you remember some of it. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was good. So Dominic Monaghan in The Sun stated, it was the moment he transformed from a joke figure to superstar. He pulled it off. That was his metamorphosis. Wow.
2: And His band at the time was Alex Dixon on guitar, Chris Sharrock on drums, who obviously went on to be in BDI with Liam Gallagher, Claire Worrell on keyboards, Phil Eisler on bass, Gary Nuttall on lead guitar, and Guy on keyboard and rhythm guitar. And then later that summer, he played V98 in front of 55,000 people, ready for the Who Ate All The Pies chant. He had a stack of pasties on stage and hurled them into the crowd to prove that he hadn't eaten them all. <laughs> That's so Robbie, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Apparently, Mark Owen was there watching and said, he was very good, there was lots of energy, and he really got the crowd going.
1: (laughs) Robbie loves a prop, doesn't he? Um, I actually went to the Chelmsford one. Yeah, I was at the Chelmsford V, and I was there. I don't have great memories of it. I do remember the pies being thrown out. Um, But... (laughs) He was, he was alongside the most, in, if you look up V98, he was alongside the most incredible lineup for a festival I've ever seen. And I've only, I've only listed a few here, but you had Robbie, you had the Verve, you had Green Day, Charlatan, Stereophonics, um, loads, loads more. It was just like, I was in my element cause all my favorite bands were there. So,
2: well, the Colchester Evening Gazette said the man child is the best entertainer this country has produced in years and can work a crowd like no one else. He provoked a reaction like no other act over the two days. And that is saying something. The whole weekend still belonged to James Brown, Richard Ashcroft and Robbie Williams.
1: That's good company to be lined up with, isn't it? Wow. the Daily Telegraph said about V98, much was expected of the girl group All Saints on their first festival experience a pie-chomping cherub in a tuxedo stole the show at Temple Newsom near Leeds.
2: So, yeah. And then one other little fact I found out um, last week. My cousin was working at Liverpool Royal Court um, during this era. And he says that when Robbie came to Liverpool Royal Court the second time, so in August 98, that was the only small date he did just before tea in the park or something, I think. he was really excited because Julie Goodyear had been in the dressing room before him at the Christmas and they'd redecorated it for her, especially for the panto, because it had been a horrible dressing room the first time he'd been there, almost like just a backstage area with like just black sort of boards and dividers. But they turned it into a proper dressing room for Julie Goodyear to do the panto. So it had a pink bath and everything was pink. And uh, Michael- like this room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And my cousin said that Robbie was going around taking photos of himself in the uh, pink bath and things and found it all very exciting, apparently. Ah. (laughs) Okay, well, the set list at the time had 15 songs, two more than the previous tour, with Let Me Entertain You, I Wouldn't Normally Do This Kind of Thing, Clean, South of the Border, Baby Girl Window, One of God's Better People, There She Goes, Killing Me, Life Through a Lens, Teenage Millionaire, Lazy Days, Ego A Go Go, Old Before I Die, Angels, and Back for Good, Robbie's version. So he <laughs> ended with that killer back for good. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's it. You'll be pleased any, to know, Katie, any, and any, all the listeners. Anything
1: you wanted to cover, Katie, that we haven't covered that you wanted to say?
3: <laughs> I mean, I'd quite like to talk about the Forgotten Festivals of Matt Champion, but I
2: think that's for another podcast.
1: Well, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> just remembering that I went was a challenge, let alone what happened. <laughs>
2: He only worked it out this week that he actually went to v98 it was
1: a hazy period katie you know
2: <laughs> i think it was a hazy period for robbie as well so you know you've got yeah. that in common <laughs>
4: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> the thing is like mobile phones and facebook and stuff doesn't go back that far and like you probably you, you two have probably got diaries and stuff i did have diaries and things but i god knows i don't know whether i've still got those so i can't actually check i've got to ask some other people about (laughs) it but
3: (laughs) is it it probably a good thing there is no photo or video evidence of it yes yeah probably (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) let's just say that
0: yes
1: (laughs) just draw a line right there (laughs) so just before we wrap up this episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. And also Lucy and I would really appreciate it if you can leave us a star rating. You can do this on both Apple and Spotify podcasts. We would also love it if you could write us a short review and you can do this on Apple. Don't forget, you can check out our episode notes for each episode and links to all tracks and videos at RobbieWilliamsRewind.com. You can also email us at email at RobbieWilliamsRewind Com. Please also follow and chat on our social channels. It's at Rewind Robbie on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. And you can also like and follow our Facebook page, Robbie Williams Rewind. And before we return to this episode, you might also consider sending us one of your own Robbie stories for the show. Just record a short audio clip on your phone and email it to us. Please check the website for more details. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Hi, I'm Robbie Williams, and you're listening to Robbie Williams' Rewind with the Champions.
2: So before we say goodbye to Katie, we're each going to pick a favourite song from the album, which we'll put on a Spotify playlist. Uh, My pick is going to be Teenage Millionaire. I thought so. Katie, what would you like to choose? Um, It's going to have to be Get the Joke. Good choice. Good choice.
1: And I'm going to go Average B-Side.
2: Very good song. That was my other option. Yeah. Good. Okay. So we'll put those on a playlist. Um not sure what it's going to be called yet, that playlist, but we will.
1: We'll put it on the website, we'll put it on the socials. Yeah. It'll be out there.
2: So thank you very much, Katie, for joining us.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Katie.
2: Thank you for having me on. I think we're going to be meeting up again for another episode um, coming soon. People will find out which episode Katie will be on uh, at a later date. great keep that secret for now
1: (laughs) (laughs) keep people thinking about that
2: yeah right so i think on the next episode we'll be talking about i've been expecting you yeah and our lovely friend sarah will be joining us for that one make
1: sure you subscribe and give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts yeah as we said before give us a few episodes more before you start judging us too too harshly find us on twitter and instagram at rewind robbie or join our Facebook group Robbie Williams Rewind or you can email us at email at Robbie com. So yeah, thank you, Katie, once again. See you next time.
2: Thank you. Bye. 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 Robbie
0: Williams Rewind.